Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 6, 13 through 20, called, We Have This Hope as an Anchor for Our Soul. I've had a few occasions in my life where, you know, I felt like the Lord promised me something and then it came to pass and I was like, oh, you do abundantly beyond what we could ask or imagine. You're so good. I've had a few of those brethren and I'll tell you, and I'm talking about like, you know, watershed major moments in my life where I'm like, wow, God is good. And so here's laughter. And we know that he didn't get along with his brother and we know some of that story. But all of a sudden, one day God says, now you take that son, that only son, that son of promise that you love and take him to a mountain I'm going to show you. And I want you to kill him and offer him as a burnt offering to me. Now you want to talk about going from the promise to a storm. Let's call it the storm of Mount Moriah. All of a sudden, you're, you know, you're basking in the laughter of the promise realized only to hear God instruct you to do what? To take the child of promise, the miracle baby, and offer him to God on some mountain? And indeed, if you flip over to Genesis 22, that's precisely what Abraham did. He honored God, or I should say he attempted to do And so God calls to Abram, and I just want to, and now his name is Abraham, and now um, they're walking up the hill. Genesis 22, 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. Genesis 22, 6. He took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so the two of them walked on together. And Isaac, laughter, spoke to Abraham, and he said, my father... He said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so the two of them walked on together. And then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham Abraham built the altar there, and he ranged the wood and bound his son Isaac. Abraham, remember, he's an old dude right now, so Isaac could have taken him. But he submitted. He laid him on the altar on top of the wood. We can't help but think of the cross here. And Abraham stretched out his hand, the father ready to take out the son of promise. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad Do nothing to him, for now I know you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, sometimes the promises of God are there, they're just not in our sight line. Behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by its horns, his horns, and Abraham went, took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord will provide. 
as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. What a great prophetic word pointing forward to Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord called Abraham Abraham a second time from heaven. And notice, most believe the angel of the Lord is Jesus before he was born in Bethlehem, second person of the Holy Trinity. He said, by myself, here's our quote now, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed, here's the promise in Hebrews 6, indeed, I will greatly bless you I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In you, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, it was the, back to Hebrews 6, the Mount Moriah incident that caused God to swear the oath to Abraham. He said, now I'm going to swear by myself. I'm going to swear an oath that I will bless you. Now, this was a reiteration of a former promise, right? It was promised to Abraham many years before and reiterated and reiterated again. And Pastor Michael is going to run out of time so quickly tonight. I just looked at the clock and I went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So... Abraham gets this promise where God swears the oath. It's like doubly assured, which is really cool, isn't it? It's like a a double assurance. Not that we need it from God, but he did it anyway. And so Abraham has these promises. Those are the quotes in Hebrews 6, verses 13 and 14. We just read the quotes from Genesis 22, 16 and 17, okay? And so... 615 of Hebrews, thus having patiently waited, Abraham patiently waited, he obtained the promise. What was the promise? Well, the promise was certainly of a child, a miracle child, that is Isaac, but the promise was more than that. Do you remember? It was descendants that would outnumber the stars and the sand, and in that seed, all the nations would be blessed. And do you know Abraham was still living when Jacob and Esau were born? And he saw them be born. And Jacob was renamed later in his life to Israel. He had 12 sons. They make up the 12 tribes. One of them is the tribe of Judah, through whom, who's coming? Messiah. That's how all the nations of the world are blessed in this seed is because the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the seed of Messiah. This is the channel, the family through whom God has decided to save the world. That's why he called Abraham. That's why he he called Isaac. That's why he called Jacob. That's why he made these promises. That's why he did an oath on top of the promise to doubly assure it Because we sitting here, whatever we may face, whether we live in the first century, the 21st century, or some other century, could anchor our hope to a God who's doubly assured that Jesus Christ is our hope and our anchor. Amen? That is where this is going. Because remember, this audience is a first century group of believers struggling to hang on in a storm-tossed world. And so he waited And he saw 
grandsons and the tribes, you know, emerge. He patiently waited, and this is what they need to do. They need to show patience, and they need to wait, and so do we, and it's hard. For men swear by one greater, 616 of Hebrews, than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation or to guarantee their word, and it ends every dispute. In the Jewish context, if you said, as surely as Yahweh lives, that was the supreme oath in Israel, and it tended to end every dispute. As the Lord lives, as surely as Yahweh lives, or Jehovah lives, I will do such and so. That kind of ended everything. Because to swear on the name of God was taken very seriously in that culture. You were, you were guaranteeing it, cutting the covenant with your life. In our culture, when someone says, I swear to God, yeah, I don't know. And so this is what men do. And, and it tends, at least in the Hebrew culture, to end the dispute. Argument over. Okay, it's guaranteed. In the same way, 17, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed it with an oath. He confirmed it with an oath in the same way that men do, but God, desiring even more to show you, brethren, that you're an heir, This is Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Ephesians 3.6 says, to be specific, the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. Titus 3.7 says, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And Romans 8.16-18 reads this way. The Spirit spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Amen? God sealed the promise with an oath, and he sealed it in another way. And the other way he sealed it is with the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, who is the seal of God guaranteeing our future redemption. That's Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And you can cross-reference that with Ephesians 4, verse 30. We are sealed to the day of redemption. What does that mean? When you sealed an ancient, let's say that you were going to ship something in the ancient world, you'd put a signet ring, you'd take your ring, and you would impress it on hot wax, and it would put your name on the package. And so let's say you had servants on the other side and you sent this cargo and it was received at a port. Your servants would be on the other side and when it was being taken off, they would look, almost like you look for your luggage today, you make sure you put some special color on it because if you don't, you're in trouble, right? And they would see the, the fact that it belonged to their owner and they would take the cargo because it was impressed with his seal. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. You are co-heirs with Christ. He sealed you. You belong to him. You are co-heirs. Do you hear that word? You're an heir. Everything that belongs to Christ, he's going to grant to his people. That, to me, is an amazing promise. And we might say, but how can I know? The early Hebrew Christians might say, how can I know? There's trouble brewing, you know, and 
the winds are blowing and there's persecution and this person fell away and that elder says he's not a Christian anymore and what do we do now? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? And visit walkintruth.com to give. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. And you will get this content through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, a look at intimacy in marriage through the Song of Solomon. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in, you can't have me. Mm -hmm. And that took a toll in our relationship. Even for me, in a church that didn't shy away from it, it wasn't talked about a ton, but I remember getting married and my wife and I being like, this is weird. Like, so good now, I guess. You know? <laughs> there was infidelity, just a lot of financial issues, you know, all those things that make the top list of, of yes. why a marriage is hard. The Lord's given us all things to enjoy, yeah. the scriptures say, and freedom is a big word yeah. as a Christian. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what's happened in the church is that the church has not always sent a message that we're supposed to enjoy life and be free. Yeah. We've put a lot of unnecessary weights on people. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Till the day of redemption, you are co-heirs with Christ. He sealed you. You belong to Him. You are co-heirs. Do you hear that word? You're an heir. Everything that belongs to Christ, He's going to grant to His people. That, to me, is an amazing promise. And we might say, but how can I know? The early Hebrew Christians might say, how can I know? There's trouble brewing, you know, and the winds are blowing, and there's persecution, and this person fell away, and that elder says he's not a Christian anymore, and what do we do now? Hang on. God made an oath. He doubly assured it. And he's given you his spirit as a seal, literally a pledge and the modern Greek word is an engagement ring guaranteeing your future redemption. And so in order that by two unchangeable, this is eight, verse 18, immutable, New King James, it means unchanging, things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, here's our application, may have strong encouragement. We who have fled for refuge in laying hold of the hope set before us. Amen? We can have strong encouragement. What are the two immutable, unchanging things? Simply put, the promise and the oath. There are two unchanging realities. God can't lie. He made a promise. And God made an oath. He made a double promise. And they're the two immutable things. It's the promise and the oath. All 
tied to God's nature, all tied to God's word, all tied to God's dependable son, all tied to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we have an anchor. And that anchor is the, or that hope is the anchor of our soul. See the word um, refuge there? We who have fled for refuge in laying hold of the hope set before us. In the ancient world, fleeing for refuge, and this is actually where the word uh, the word is used in the Greek version of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. Fleeing for refuge is what happened to a manslayer. Here's what would happen. If you accidentally killed somebody, let's just say, kind of like we would say, maybe someone hit someone with their car accidentally and killed them. In the ancient world, you could flee to a city of refuge and the family who would often be, they would be the one who would want to take your life uh, for the life you took. Well, if you fled to the city of refuge, they couldn't touch you there. And there were different cities and they were sprinkled all over the land of Israel. So if, you, if something happened and you fled to this city, that you could stay there and no one could execute any kind of justice against you. Listen to this. Numbers 35.25 says these words. The congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the blood avenger, that's the family member, and the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he fled. And he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with holy oil. Numbers 35, 28 puts it this way. Because he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer shall return, someone who committed an accidental death, shall return to the land of his possession. Here's, here's quickly what this language means. And the Hebrew audience would know it. They, they knew, they went to Sabbath school, they knew all this stuff. They would say, a, a city of refuge? Yeah, that's where you would run if you accidentally killed somebody. And the time that you could be free to go back home again was when the death of the high priest occurred because high priests were human at that time. And as soon as the high priest died, all bets were off. And you could go back home. We have run to the city of refuge. You know what the city of refuge is? Christ. Because we have committed sins. And I mentioned Sunday, I have an astronomical debt to God that I owe. I've sinned against the Lord in many, many ways. And yet I've run to Jesus Christ as my refuge. And this hope, 19, we have as an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. It's firm and secure NIV and one which enters within the veil. What's the veil? Well, the veil is the veil pictured that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. It's the place where God resides. Only the high priest could go there only once a year, the day of atonement. But now that curtain is torn and Jesus has blazed the trail and he's gone behind the curtain, if you will, and he's there. And what is he doing there? Seated at the right hand of the Father. It's finished. It's paid in full. But he's got a ministry. You know what his ministry is today? He ever lives to what? Intercede for his people. That's what he's doing right now. Glory of glories. Miracle of miracles. He's fighting for me up in heaven as well. He's my great defender. He's behind the veil, if you will. He's blazed the trail. And my hope is firm. I don't need to be uptight or anxious or fearful. 
wherever the storm winds blow. Yes, I have my humanity to wrestle with, but Jesus 20 has entered as a forerunner for us. It's for us. He did it for us. He died for us. He rose for us. He's in heaven interceding for us. We'll learn about this in chapter seven. Having become a high priest, and now we return back to his great high priestly ministry forever. His high priestly ministry is forever. It's not temporary. It's forever. According to what? The order of Melchizedek. This is from a commentary. The Greek word forerunner in verse 20 was used in Greek literature to describe the function of a small party of soldiers sent ahead fully to explore the way ahead prior to the advance of an army. It was also used in the second century AD for the smaller boats sent into the harbor by larger ships unable to enter due to the buffer of the weather. These smaller boats carried the anchor through the breakers inside the harbor and dropped it there securing the larger ship. Forerunner presupposes that others will follow. Thus, Jesus is not only the believer's anchor, but he's like a runner boat that has taken our anchor into port and secured it there. There is thus no doubt as whether this vessel is going into the port. It's going to happen. The only question is whether it will go in with the sleekness of a well-trimmed sailing vessel or like a water-laden barge, perhaps a bit beat up. (laughs) But either way, we enter behind the veil because Jesus has blazed the trail for us. Amen? It's done. We're secure. He's there. All that has to happen next now is we go to be with him or he comes to rescue us whatever way it works out. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Anchored to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Would you stand? Perhaps Shane, um, I asked Shane to sing it. You plan on singing it? All right. Because I know you can do it better than I. And I was going to, make an attempt, but it probably would have thinned the crowd and storm winds would have blown into the Christians' lives. And <laughs> Father, thank you so much for this beautiful text. Thank you that we have a, such incredible promises in Christ, the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. We are secure. I pray that those who may not know you tonight would make sure that they have trusted in the forerunner, Jesus
the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray those who have slid back perhaps a bit would come home and come back to the Father and serve the King. And I pray for this uh, group of precious saints that they would uh, be secured and encouraged in their faith tonight, blessed and feeling confidence in the Christ that saved them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to We Have This Hope as an Anchor for Our Soul, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 6, 13-20. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station. If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 9, 1 through 15, called A Clean Conscience. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.